Uh, happy to have you guys join us. I'm Deb Graper. I'm actually uh, the youth pastor here at Axe and also a teaching pastor. And uh, Cameron doesn't like me to say it, but I'm also his mommy. So just so you know that, yeah, I do love my son and I'm very proud of him. So um, I wanted to start out with a, just a simple little lighthearted question. I want to ask you guys, how many of you guys would admit that you've been to a fast food restaurant in the last month by a show of hands? Okay. All right. <clears throat> you know, a lot of times we don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that we go to these places. But, you know, someone's going to them because they have a lot of revenue. There's a lot of money that's coming into these places. You know, I kind of did a little study and I kind of looked and saw what the eight most successful food chains are in America from the lowest annual revenue to the highest. And I thought I'd go through them with you. Um, number eight is Chick-fil-A. How many guys out there like those waffle fries? Yes. Okay. Good deal. Dunkin' Donuts. America runs on Dunkin', right? All right. Taco Bell. I know no one wants to admit it, but we go there. We go there. I was told to try a Dorito um, taco one time by my niece, and she says, you'll like it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And I had to text her back and said, that was delicious. I loved it. Um, Wendy's. Burger King, which I think I've probably only gone to twice in my life. I don't know why I don't ever go to Burger King. We just never went there when you guys were young. Subway. You know, we try to eat healthier, we think. Um, Starbucks, which we know a lot of people go there, right? Right. And all the way, you know, number one is, what do you think? McDonald's, McDonald's exactly. McDonald's is actually um, doubles, almost triples their nearest competitor, Starbucks, at $35 billion a year that they make. $75.18 million a day. Someone's going to these places. And whether or not we want to admit it or not, you know, we're like, I don't, I don't go get that stuff. It's like, well, I know there's a lot of people that do. And there's a lot of reasons why these, these people go to these places. And the reasons why I go, one, we go there for price, right? We go there also for convenience. And a lot of times we go for addictions. You know, we want to go get that, that, that coffee, that, you know, vente, the big, big cup of coffee at Starbucks. You know, then they have, um, you know, waffle fries, like I said, quarter pounder with cheese, Big Macs, those things that were, you know, while we were growing up. I laugh because my sister raised me, and uh, it's so funny because, you know, when I go someplace to have a cheeseburger, I still, when I go someplace else, I still get it the way I want it, like, you know, maybe cheese. Sometimes not cheese, just onion, and I, when I say onion, like, I have a slice of onion about that big because I love onion, <laughs> and ketchup, that's it. But because I was raised by my sister who said, you know, she did have the thing where, you know, special orders do upset her. Because <laughs> so, she had three kids and she wasn't going to wait. So when I go through, I would get a cheeseburger. And, you know, to this day, when I go through McDonald's and get a regular cheeseburger, I still get it how it comes. Even though I never put mustard on any other thing, there's just something about that cheeseburger when I was a kid that just takes me back in that memory, you know. But we have all these reasons why we go there. But one of the reasons that people go there, for the most part, is because it's consistent, it's a consistent food that you're going to get. You can go to a McDonald's in Miami, or you can go to a McDonald's in Seattle, Florida, all over the place, and you can get the same kind of sandwich. You know, a long time ago, I went to Germany, and we went and we had, you know, the, the normal fare that you have. There are the bratwurst, the schnitzel, those kind of things. But, you know, after a while, I was like thinking, man, 
what else can there be here that I can eat? I want something else. And those golden arches, man, they beckoned me. Come get a Big Mac. You know, and it was delicious. You know, it's pretty amazing when you think about it that you can cross the world and get a sandwich. It's pretty much the same thing, no matter where we got it in our hometowns. So it's that consistency that causes people you know, to keep coming back, and it's that consistency that causes these businesses to make the money that they do. So, you know, if we went to McDonald's and it was a crapshoot from one week to the next what the cheeseburger was going to taste like or what the Big Mac was going to taste like, we probably wouldn't frequent it as often. Now, for the most part, we know there's good days, bad days, no matter where we go, right? Not too long ago, I got a grande blonde, flat white, extra hot with my four sugars, and I picked it up, and I thought, that is totally a tall. That is not a grande. <laughs> there was nothing but air in that cup. And I'm thinking, what was that? that? That cost me. And it really depresses you. So we know that there's time to time, you know, because of different people working there, some consistency, consistency can change. But for the most part, that's why we go to these places. You know, the definition of consistency is the achievement of a level of performance that does not vary greatly in quality over time. So it's not really necessarily that the burger is going to be amazing, necessarily, but it will taste the same. Maybe mediocre, but it's going to taste the same. So the, the great life coach, I'm sure you guys have heard of him, Tony Robbins, he actually says it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our life, it's what we do consistently. And I think we can all agree that that's probably true. It's what we do consistently that makes the difference in our lives. If you think about it, think about these businesses, these fast food restaurants or other businesses you go to. If customer service was always changing, you never knew what to expect, we wouldn't frequent there as much. A successful business is going to be those ones that we go to that we can get the same service over and over again that's consistent. It's a consistent player in a sports that's going to get the good contract. You know, if a person won, you know, one month, you know, they're, they're hitting and, and, you know, striking out every time, or the next time, you know, the next month they're, they're hitting home runs, you look over the average, it's not that good. So after a while, people are like, you know, I don't know if I want to give them the, type, the best contract. You know, it's the contracts get given to the people who are consistent players. It's the consistent parents that have the healthiest kids. It's not the parent who one minute when they, they spill the milk, you know, that they scream and yell, and then the next time act like it's nothing, or, or tell them not to do something, and then later on they let them do something. Healthy kids grow up with consistent parents. It's consistent spouses who have the healthiest marriages. You know, if you're married to someone that comes in and you never know what they're going to be like from one day to the next, if you don't know if they're going to be kind or if they're going to be hurtful or rude or say mean things, after a while, we're not really that loyal to that. We kind of like pull back. So it's consistent. You know, marriages like that are, are people who are always the same. It's consistent followers of Jesus who obviously are going to reap the, the rewards that are going to actually bring people into the kingdom of God with them because they live a consistent life also. People like to go places where they know what they can expect. You know, I think people are drawn to consistency because we serve a God who's the most consistent. God is so consistent. We sang those songs, the fact that he's always there for us, that he doesn't change his mind. He's, he's always there. We call out to him, he's there. James 1.17 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. That's a God we can trust. Hebrews 13.8 that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. You know, we, we can trust the God that we read in the Bible long ago with the Israelites is going to offer that same escape plan for us someday. You know, the idea that the Israelites were taken out of slavery and, and taken to the promised land is the same promise that he gives us today where we sit in 2019. We also will be taken out of slavery. We also will be taken to the promised land, to heaven. Such a, a peaceful, joyful feeling that you know that and you can trust this God. You know, when he tells us that he's never going to leave us and forsake us, we can believe that. We can count on it. You know, the problem is that God is consistent, but in every relationship there's two sides, right? There's always two. And that's where the problem lies. That's where the rub comes in because even though God is so great and we can always count on him, what happens is we can't, you know, always be faithful. We're not always followers of God and God can't count on us. A lot of times because of our inconsistency, God can't rely on us. A lot of times I think God never knows what he's going to get when he watches us. You know, from one day to the next, how are they going to act? I don't know. You know, I, I kind of had this thought when I was writing this message, kind of this, you know, little, little joke in my mind thinking that God's probably sitting up in heaven, Jesus sitting on his right, and he's looking down at us, and he's saying, man, these people are like herding cats. I can't keep them in the right space no matter what I try to do. They just go all different directions. No matter how many times I tell them to continually follow me, they're off and running in different directions all the time. You know, I think that we have a problem because we run hot one day and then we run cold the next. You know, a lot of times what happens is we come close to God and then we run far from him. You know, we make promises to him. We say we love him. We're going to do everything. We, we, we sing this song. I'm going to follow you anywhere. You know, there's an old saying that says Christians don't tell lies. They sing them. You know, the, the thing is what happens a lot of times is we make these promises. We sing these songs. We say these words. But then the next day, we forget them, totally. We say, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. And then before long, he looks around, and he's like, where are you? You're not here again. We get pulled off in different directions, sometimes get mesmerized by the next shiny object that comes in sight and pulls us away from Christ. The problem is he's there for us when we need him, but a lot of times we aren't there for him when he needs us. When he needs us to do the work, when he needs us to talk to our neighbor, when he needs us to be a friend, when he needs us to show kindness and love and gentleness to people, we're not there. Because at that moment, we're so self-absorbed in our own matters. You know, I get it. I totally get it. I'm there with you. I've done the same thing. I've made promises to God that I didn't keep. You know, I said I was going to do something. I didn't do it. We all do that. Nobody wants to admit it, but we all do these things. And we didn't intend it to be that way. I think what happens is, I've kind of come to the conclusion that I think what happens is we thought it would be easier than it is. We thought it would be much easier to follow after God than it is. And I think what happens is we kind of thought that God was going to do all the hard lifting on it. You know, that we could just kind of scooch into church and kind of, you know, by osmosis become who God wants us to be just by being in the presence. And we realize after a while that that doesn't work that way. You can't become a great follower of God and consistent follower of God unless you're putting in the work. I think people have this thought that we, we hope that God can somehow zap us. Somehow zap me, God, into being this great woman or man of God. 
And we don't really stop and think about how much it's going to take, how much it is on us that we have to work and fight to do it ourselves. So what happens in that is we live this back and forth, here and there, run ahead, come to a screeching halt, existence and following after God. But God wants something different for us. He doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live in a way that we are just consistent. Not always going far ahead and then back and not going back and forth and not starting and stopping, but he says just a consistent faith. Not that he expects you to go move mountains in one day or, you know, go run across the world and and do great missionary work. You know what he says? Just cross the street. Consistent. Read your Bible. Seek me. Ask if he has something for you that day. Ask if the Holy Spirit would direct your steps. Just a consistent little bit of walking every day. I think what happens is we also think that we could fast track this kind of thing, you know? We can fast track it. We can, we can get through it quick. We don't realize that this is a lifetime commitment. When you come in and you say that you're going to follow after Jesus, it's not just today. It's not like, God, I'm going to follow you next week. When he actually tells us to come to him and follow him, he says, this is a lifetime commitment. This is a marriage. This is when we take those vows with our spouse and we say, you know, forever to the day we die, me and my husband will celebrate 36 years this October. You know, it's, it's that idea of no matter what, no matter how many times you get frustrated, that no, no matter what, you're sticking together. You're going to work it out together. That's exactly how he wants us to look at our relationship with him. That despite good days, bad days, some days that you just want to give up, that you just continually keep walking on. The thing that we have to remember about our faith is that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You can't sprint. It is a marathon that you're literally going to have to take a few steps every day. And it's actually slow and steady that wins the race. I I think that people a lot of times think that, you know, if you look at our society, we have changed so much. People used to go to church, and this is where we actually would be together, and we would would learn, and we would grow, and we would spend time together. Our society has gotten so distant. Despite the fact that we are so socially connected, we are so distant from each other. We live this life of really um, aloneness for the most part. And I think what happens, a lot of people think they can come into a church, hit and miss, maybe get something out of it and maybe not, you know, walk out the door and, eh. you know, maybe sometimes think they're going to really do something great and then before long they kind of just drop off again. You know, there's so many times that we'll preach a message and we'll say, you know, this message was like per- you know, perfect for somebody And later on, they'll come up and say, you know, I'm really struggling with this. Like, where were you last week? This is what we spoke on. So a lot of times, the inconsistency is actually what causes all the holes in your relationship with God. But it's slow and steady that wins the race. You know, there's an old saying that says that you can't be a CEO Christian. And that means you can't be just a Christmas, Easter, and occasional Christian. It has to be that you're actually a full-time, on-board Daily workers struggling, fighting, every day putting in the work, just the worker bee in your faith. Now, God made it clear to us in nine, uh, Luke 9.23, it says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. See, so we struggle with that, don't we? To give up our own way. Frederick Nietzsche says, The essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. 
long obedience in the same direction. A lot of times we are not very obedient and we don't keep walking in the same direction. I think, I imagine that God is frustrated from time to time with us. I think that some of us maybe started out, you know, we had these emotional experiences where maybe a song really does touch you or maybe a message that really speaks to you and you think, yes, I really do want to change. So people make this emotional thought, I'm going to change, I'm going to do things different. And they have this grand beginning. But because of their lack of consistency, they soon fall away. You know, emotion can only take you so far. The difference will be in the motion that you're traveling how much emotion isn't always going to be there. Because, you know, your emotions are going to change. There's days that we are going to be so loving and kind to our spouses. The next day we're like, who are you? Get away from me. It's just part of life. And then we're going to do the exact same things with God sometimes. You know, we're going to have this, this feeling. But it can't be that way. It's despite our feelings, despite our emotions sometimes, that we continually keep coming close to God. When we do that, we'll finish the race this marathon that we're going to run. We're going to finish this race. You know, I kind of was thinking when I was writing this message, how can I sum this up? And I had this thought, and I thought, this is a perfect illustration of us as Christians following after God. And what it is, it is Aesop's fairy tale of the tortoise and the hare. I'm sure you guys have heard of it when you were kids, and if you did, nor you read it to your own kids when you had them. Um, It's the story of the rabbit, in case you don't know what a hare is the rabbit, and the turtle, in case you don't know what a tortoise is, because we don't want to confuse anybody out there. Some people don't know, maybe. Um, But I'm going to read you the story, so just sit back, enjoy your cup of coffee, and I'm going to read a little fairy tale to you. A hare was making fun of the tortoise one day for being so slow. Do you ever get anywhere, he asked with a mocking laugh. Yes, replied the tortoise, and I get there sooner than you think. I'll run you a race, and I'll prove it. The hare was much amused at the idea of running a race with the tortoise. But for the fun of things, he agreed. So the fox, who had consented to act as the judge, marked the distance and started the runners off. The hare was soon far out of sight, and to make the tortoise feel very deeply how ridiculous it was for him to try to race with a hare, he lay down beside the course to take a nap until the tortoise could catch up. The tortoise, meanwhile, just kept going slowly but steadily, and after a time, passed the place where the hare was sleeping. But the hare slept on very peacefully. And when at last he did not wake up, the tortoise was near the goal. The hare now, when he woke up, ran his swiftest, but he could not overtake the tortoise in time. Slow and steady wins the race, people. It's just slow and steady. You don't have to run fast, but you have to run. You have to move. You have to take some steps, and you have to keep plodding on despite the battles. The hare, no doubt about it, he was faster. No doubt about it, he could win in a race. But it was that turtle who continually kept walking that actually wins. And I think following Jesus is just like that. It's keeping your eyes on the prize. We sang that before. Keeping our eyes on the prize. What's the prize? Jesus. Jesus forgiving us, saving our souls, and offering us a chance to someday go to heaven with God the Father. That's an amazing prize that he offers us. You know, following after God, I followed after God about 26 years now. And I can say that um, over time, you know, reading the Bible day in, day out, you know, there's, there's some scriptures that you kind of like, you kind of look at and you think, oh, I love that. And it changes from time to time. But one has always stuck with me. I'd say for the last 15 years that I just love 
and I'd like to read it to you, and I think it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. It says Philippians 3, 12 through 14, and it's the message translation. Um, but you could read it in any translation, and it says the same. It's great. It says, I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm often running, and I'm not turning back. The Bible is an amazing, maybe, amazing thing for us. We read these things, and we can hold on to them as touch points. That's one of those scriptures. When I read it, it takes me back to the first time I read it. And when I go through troubles and struggles, I go back and think, no, I'm pressing on. I'm going to press onward. No matter what happens, I'm going to keep moving forward. It's obediently following after God. It's not slowing down. It's not slowing down when we get discouraged. It's not napping when we're tired. Because believe me, we all get tired. It's not getting distracted by all the shiny things that this world offers us and vies for our attention. It's just continually plodding on. But you need to understand something. Consistency does not just happen. It has to happen on purpose. One of the things that we've really felt like the whole theme for this year was that we felt like everything that God was asking us to be was on purpose. That we wouldn't just think that we could just have something and just take place on its own. That we would have to put in the work. That we would have to be on purpose for our goals and our thoughts for what we had for the future. And I think consistency has to be on purpose. It has to be something that we are dedicated to. It's slow and steady that wins that race. You know, I think so many people have these grand starts but they don't count for much. I think someone that would actually like start to sprint at the beginning of a marathon, what happens is they soon get winded, don't they? And they start to fall back. And before long, even those people who don't look like they'd be fit enough to run a race, pass them by. You know, someone that's a little older than they thought, or maybe someone that's a little bit more out of shape, they think, no, they could possibly pass me by, and they do, because someone started out too fast. And they didn't just continually plot on. See, it's fine. But you know what the problem is with starting out really, really fast and thinking that you're going to do all these amazing things? What happens a lot of times is you're like one of those light bulbs, you know? And you ever see when a light bulb, before it it goes out, it goes supernova? It goes super bright. And then it's like, you're like, wow, that's really putting out a lot of light. And then all of a sudden it's like, boop, out. A lot of times that's what happens in people in their faith. They think that they're going to do all these grandiose things and like, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be the most passionate person ever. And then life happens. Because life happens, the light bulb that just goes out instead. Grand starts, emotional starts, are only going to get you so far. You know, you need to understand something very important, that God is much more concerned with the direction of your life than he is the perfection of your life. He understands that you're not going to be perfect. He understands that you're going to fail, that you're going to make those promises And you're going to fall back from sometimes. But the thing is, the next day or that day later, you're going to get up and you're going to try again. He's not impressed by our emotions. He's impressed by our motion. So, years ago, when we started the church, um, we were at the Knights of Columbus. We would actually go and we'd set up there. We still have a, a mobile church for the most part. Obviously, we only have the kids' rooms that are set up and they're there all the time for us. We come in and have to set this whole place up on Saturday. People get here early. They come in and they set up all the pipe and drape and they set up everything in the hallway because if you come here during the week, it looks nothing like this. So, you know, nothing like this. 
But we still set up. But, you know, when we went to the nights, it was one of those things where we would have a trailer, we'd pull up, and we'd have to unload everything, and we'd have to set everything up. We'd have to set up the kids' area. We would have to move things that we didn't expect to move. And most churches did not have to move, like keggers, um, like alcohol sitting around everywhere. Because some of the times that we would meet the night before, they actually had wrestling. So we would actually be scraping nacho cheese off the floors before we had people come in for church. We would be picking up bottles of beer. There were times where we picked up drunks and actually told them, could you leave? We're going to have church pretty soon. And they're like, oh, okay. And sometimes they didn't even wake up. Sometimes they were behind the the bar and we just kind of like, okay, (laughs) continue on. It was crazy. But we had a couple people that would come in at the time, and they said, you know, I'd love to help you. Can we come? Can we help you set up? And we're like, yeah, sure, we'd love to have your help. The more the merrier. If you can help us, we'd love it. And this one day, this girl that said that to me, she says, I'm going to come, and I'm going to help you. So that's wonderful. And she came that day and that morning, and she's like, aren't you impressed? She goes, I'm here. I said I would. And I said, yes, I am. But to myself, I said, I'll be impressed if you're here in a month. <laughs> that's what I'll be impressed with. And she wasn't. <laughs> She wasn't. She wasn't there in a month. Because you know what? It's easy to make big thoughts and promises, but it's harder when we have to put them into effect. So how do we become consistent? Obviously, you know what? You just put in the work, right? We do what it says by Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. It says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We have a hard time with that, don't we? Self-discipline is very difficult in our society. We have a hard time saying no to ourselves. We like to feel good, and that's it. You know, anything goes. It doesn't go that way with Christ. It doesn't work that way in following after him. You know, a lot of times what it's going to be is you're going to have to do something that you don't feel like doing. You don't want to do it, but you have to do it. You have to continue on. It's prioritizing God above your things, your hobbies, sometimes what your spouse or somebody in your family, your kids even want to do. It's putting God first. It's prioritizing. It's getting up every day, not just the one day that you put in for God, but every day putting in some thought of your relationship with Christ. It's getting up every day and and taking the time to maybe do what we just got done with that message series was with Levi Lesko, the idea that we would just do simple things that could actually help us to live a better, healthier life. Maybe drinking eight cups of water a day, getting eight hours of sleep, you know, taking eight minutes a day to think about your faith and maybe read the Bible. It's those little things that a lot of times are going to help you to be consistent. It's that slow and steady wins the race mentality. It's simply taking those minutes and focusing in on God instead of just going on and living your life not even giving it a thought. You know, if you follow somebody, if you're, if you're ever following somebody and you're in the woods or, or something like that and you're trying to keep up, We know if we can lose sight before long, we don't know which direction that they went. So we're like trying to figure out, did they go left? Did they go right? Are they, did they backtrack? You ever see some of those trails that go up and down and it looks like you're actually going backwards and then you come back forward. But when we let somebody get too far ahead of us, we can lose sight. And then we become lost. That's the same way it is with following after Jesus. We have to stay in step with him. 
we have to stay close enough that we actually see him up ahead so we know which direction it is to go. If we get lost, what happens is we have to send a search party out, right, for these people that get lost. We see these stories of these kids that get lost and no one knows where they're at, so they send out these search parties that go and look for days. But what happens when people aren't found after a while, what happens is the search party gets called off. Could that be the way God looks at you sometimes? You're too far back. I don't even know where you are. I don't know if I'm searching for you. You have to do something to come close to me. The movement of Christ isn't static. It's always changing, always moving, always growing. If you've slowed down or you stopped, you're going to get lost. You're not going to make it, and you're going to lose the race. You know, I I think when God says he wants us to be his followers, because he says that, he says we must give up our own ways. Our own ways, that's what's hard. You can't go off in different directions. You can't keep living a life of sin that you were in when you first came to know Christ. You know, I, I, I went by a church the other day, and I loved what it said, but yet I kind of had a pushback on it because what the sign says, it says, Jesus never rejects anyone. And I thought, that is a totally 100% true statement. Jesus never rejects anyone. But... But they really sell you short if they only tell you that. Because if you read the Bible and you read God's word, you see that even though Jesus never rejected anybody, even though Jesus always wanted people to come close to him, his next sentence to them always was, go and sin no more. You cannot keep living a life of sin and think that you're getting anywhere following after God. It doesn't work. I get so frustrated because, you know, I teach youth ministry, and I've done this for like 14, 15 years, and I've been a a pastor for a long time, and I watch people sometimes think, how do you not get this? You have to not be reading God's word because you cannot keep living a life of sin and think you're going to get anywhere. You're clouded. The Bible says light has no part with darkness. Jesus isn't going to come close to you and help you through your battles if you're constantly putting sin in in the, the way. It's the barrier between us and God. Our prayers aren't effective. He says he can't even hear when we're so sinful. So when things happen, sometimes good in our life, you know, we're like, wow, that was amazing. God answers like, no, I think that might have just been a coincidence. I don't know if that was God. (laughs) I don't know if God's really there for you that much when you continually keep sinning over and over again. So is this going to be easy? Not at all. Not at all. This is a tough, tough battle. The Bible says count the cost before you start building, you know, building your faith. He says, you know, a, a fool is someone who starts out and starts to build and has no more th- to, to finish the building. Starts out, starts building the foundation. There's nothing left as far as monetarily to continually keep building. But we got to be different. We got to be different than that. If we're going to actually be effective in our families' lives, our friends' lives, the people we come in contact with, we have to be following it legitimately. Because, you know, the the world is watching. One of the things I would tell Cameron and and my daughter Shelby all the time is I said, you know, there's such a great responsibility of being a follower of Christ. Do you know how many people want you to fail? So many people out there, man, they're just waiting for you to screw up. I said, this is not just your faith. This is everyone you've ever met before that has looked at you and they're looking at your faith to see if they can do it. 
So when you fall away, it's just giving them all thinking, yeah, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. I love the fact that my kids kept their faith so far because we're all at risk of getting mesmerized by shiny objects and getting lost on our way. But denying ourselves over and over again, even in small ways, is what's going to lead us to a consistent faith. It's self-discipline. You know, it's when someone says, hey, you want to go do this? And you're like, you know it's not right. Are you going to self-discipline yourself or are you going to go? I think it's really sad when we think about all these fast food places, how consistently loyal we are to them for a cheeseburger. But the most wonderful, consistent God that we have, we are so inconsistent in our faith. So let me ask you something. You, this is when you shine the little searchlight on you. Are you a consistent follower of God? I'm not here to beat anybody up. But I do think this is the time when you actually start to look inside and see yourself. Am I faithfully following? Am I plotting on? Even though the life is a struggle and even though life's a battle, am I continually following after God? Are you slow and steady in your race? Have you taken off too quickly and then fallen off your pace? Maybe you dropped out. Did you drop out? Are you here just because you're here maybe to see someone be dedicated? Are you here because you just felt like maybe today you should go, but you haven't been here for a while, and you think, oh, okay, maybe I have dropped out? You know, what are you, what are you thinking when you think about yourself? You know, we're really good with looking at the neighbor and saying, they dropped out. They're not following. But this is a time when we look at ourselves. Could it be that you're so lost that you need a search party to look for you? Could it be that this is the message? Could it be that this is the message where this is that flashlight piercing through the darkness, looking for you hunkered down, lost, and afraid? I hope it is. I hope this is the message that we'll actually stop and think, maybe I do need to, to come back. Maybe I do need to get it together. You know, the one thing about God is it's so good. He's so kind and so loving. He never stops us from coming back. If we sincerely want to come and follow him again, no matter how far it is that we strayed, he says he always welcomes us back. You know, the thing with God is we can dust ourselves off. That means the sins. Dust those sins off. Say, God, I'm going to be faithful to you now. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to try to live a life that's worthy of you. And I'm going to slow and steady keep walking. And I'm going to win this race. Let me read you a couple scriptures here to finish. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It's actually part of what I read in the message translation, but it's another way to say it. This is really good. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the race. And the, or the prize, I'm sorry. See, we beat our bodies into submission. We challenge ourselves to grow. We put in the time even though we don't want to. When everything's offered up to us that's a little bit you know, different, going the different way than God, we say no. No. You know, I, I kind of always laugh. I mean, I, I think with us, 
being um, part of the church, and obviously some of the faithful followers that are here and help us set up, there's a lot more time. But for the general um, public that walks in and out, I mean, what is it, an hour, hour and a half, a little bit of time preparing yourself? When you think about that, I mean, to go to a service, is it really that hard? If not here, anywhere, if not wherever, being faithful. It's so important to be consistent in your faith, to consistently follow. And you know what's super important? I can tell you as a mom, because I am a passionate mother. I'm a passionate grandma. (laughs) I love my kids. I love the fact that I have grandkids that are raised up in church. And I look at them and I think, you know, they're always watching us. Parents, this is a perfect time to tell you because we had dedication today. This is a perfect time to tell you that, man, they are watching you. They are watching your consistency because when you're not consistent, don't ever expect them to be. They will not be. My kids knew that on a Wednesday night when we had service, they were at church. On a Sunday, when I first got saved, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night. It was one of those days that we were going to be there. That was it. And you know what? My kids never asked to not go there. They were like, we, they, it was a non-negotiable thing. They were going to church. It didn't matter. They were going to youth group. You know how many times my kids had homework? And I know it was one time we were laughing because Cameron, the one time he got up the next day and he says, man, I, you know, he come, or he come home from school and he said, I don't know how I did it, but I passed that test. I don't know how it had been God because he was at youth group the night before. It's prioritizing your time and energy for God and for your faith. Like I said, they're watching. They're paying attention. When you don't model consistency, they will not model consistency either. Well, this is a fight. It's a race. No doubt about it. I'm going to finish with this scripture reference. 2 Timothy 4, 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Simple, simple words, but something that's needed for all of us. Let me pray for you. Lord, we are so thankful that you're such a good God, that you do offer us time and time again to come close to you, even though we've sinned and fallen short of everything that you've offered us. I just pray for each person that's here, for their families. I pray that there would be something inside them that would just yearn for that consistent faith, that they would understand that it's just slow and steady win in the race. It's that walk that we continually keep walking despite all the things that this world's trying to do to muffle out your voice and your presence in our lives. We're thankful that you're such a good God, that you help us to change, that you grow us. Lord, help us to have a decision. Help us to have a determination in our hearts that we are going to prioritize you. Not as a one of our priorities, but as a priority. I pray that today would be a change for these people, Lord. For me to continually help me to grow closer to you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.